fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca. The timing sucks, cause the maps are ass. But did you see his no-look pass? Whoa! 77 minutes in heaven. Welcome to 77 Minutes, the Dallas Mavericks podcast. The only Dallas Mavericks podcast recording from Austin, Texas. I don't I don't know if that's right. Anyway, I'm I'm not mine. Went down to visit my parents. It's more Round Rock, Texas. It's a suburb, but that's where I am. Uh, we've got Saad Yusuf. You appear to be in a radio office somewhere in downtown Dallas, Victory Park. That is correct. I am in the studios of the ticket. Mm, yeah, that's it's I was trying to intuit where exactly you were. I could I could I could see the little uh, apartment building behind you out that window. So those are those are swank digs. So we yeah, respect it. <laughs> Absolutely. anyway, we're just doing a quick podcast. I brought Saad on. It's been a while since you've been on. I mean, you're still still covering the the stars, but I, I know you I know you like uh, brief chances to break out and, and cover uh, talk about a Dallas sports team. You're pretty good at that. And there's just been a little bit of news. I, I don't know. You know, this might be our last podcast for a while. We'll, we'll try to hop back on me and someone when, if if and when there's a head coach, depending on how it fits with my vacation schedule and, and all of that. But, you know, we've got we've got some sus- substantial news and in, in which way both the GM and the head coach search are trending. And we haven't got your take on it yet, Saad. So... Yeah, I mean, let's just let's just start with last week. What would you make of the entire thing, and then we'll kind of work to where the GM and and head coach searches are headed. Well, I think you know, not that you've probably heard this enough already, but I think it was a phenomenal job by what you and Sam did to to kind of you know really set the stage for what ended up happening. And I think you know um, it was the Donnie news wasn't entirely surprising to me. Like, honestly, like I wasn't, I wasn't shocked by it. It was just more of like a, like, I guess taken aback slightly. Uh, Carlisle was a bit more because he's talked, he's talked in the past about his relationship with Cuban and the franchise. And, you know, I, I like when I saw the Carlisle news, the first moment that for some reason came to my mind was Dirk's last home game when he brought Abby out to the court and was like, you know, you're the reason why I've been like Abby's been in the same school system for however many years. And, uh, and, and like, I don't know, like, I would like the stability with, with a daughter and all that stuff. I, I didn't see the Rick move coming. I, I, the Donnie one didn't shock me, but I thought Rick was going to see it through. But then also, I mean, we both know Rick. We, we've, we've talked to him about a lot of different things, asked him questions and stuff. Um, you know, as you pointed out, like, if there's meddling on who he can play, what lineups and rotations, like he's not going to like that. And, and he knows where he stands. I mean, he's the, he's the president of the coaches association. He knows where he stands in the pecking order. Uh, he's not dumb. So um, I, th- I think he knew that he could deserve better. And, and, uh, and I think that's what he's getting in Indiana now. So, so the bigger thing that I think happened last week was just the, or, or the bigger through line was the way that we talk about Mark Cuban, and it's I think it's been something that's been changing over time. You're someone who co- who's covered the Cowboys very closely and, and Jerry Jones. And Jerry Jones has always been very open that he is a owner GM. Like, he has taken the GM title for, for himself. He's been very clear that he is the one making decisions in this front office. That's always been the case for Mark Cuban as as well. But I don't, 
you know, he never was openly saying, you know, oh, I'm I'm the final decision maker. Every every decision goes through me. Even if there was an understanding that people will talk about that, as someone who has covered both of these owners of of these two Dallas-based teams, why do you think it took so long for there just to be a public and very clear and loud understanding about Cuban's role in the front office? Do you think it's fair to say that people are just kind of now openly saying it and not dancing around it? And I'm just curious what parallels you see between those two situations. Well, I think the biggest difference is the aura of the Nelson family, right? Because Donnie, uh, because Nelly was there before Cuban. And That's then, a good point. And then you look at Donnie and Donnie, Donnie will always have Dirk and Nash on his resume as one of the first things he did. And that was, again, pre-Cuban. Whereas when you look at Jerry, it's like the the, the like he tell, he says that he's the GM and he's not shy about it. But also the guy working right under him as the de facto GM is his own son. Like you can't really get an outsider to do that. So I think that the Nelson aura of Nelly and Donnie kind of protected that. But it's not like Cuban's been shy about taking some of the blame. Like he he's talked about his biggest regret as an owner was letting Nash walk. Um, he's taken the responsibility for not selecting Giannis in the draft like he does that stuff but I think the reason why he hasn't been I guess you know out there about that role is just because there is a like Cuban as big of a as big of a personality and everything that he is there still is a Nelson shadow in Dallas starting from Nelly going through Donnie that Jerry never really had Jerry is everything with the Cowboys yeah, I think that's fair. And it's not like people don't understand that Mark had a lot of influence and a lot of say and a lot of decisions were his own. We know about the Giannis decision, for example. That's one that's been discussed at end. Uh, like you mentioned, Nash Nash is another good example. It always felt like the way the Mavericks were talked about is that sometimes Cuban would get ideas in his head and step in and say, oh, no, we're actually doing it this way and overrule Donnie. Whereas it really went the other way where usually Donnie was the person he was most listening to that most of the, you know, he, and, and this has kind of been described in, in Mark Stein's reporting this week and that Mark likes having a lot of different voices with different ideas in his, in his front office and he will listen to them and decide which one makes the most sense or, you know, take everybody's opinion and kind of work it into his own decision about what path to take forwards. But I do think it's, I just think it's interesting how that, really dramatically over the past few months, even before our reporting, me and Sam's, you know, there was a Bomani Jones segment uh, on ESPN that I thought was very well done. Uh, I think it was in the week after they lost game seven. And it was it was pointing a lot of blame at him at at Mark and saying Dirk Nowitzki covered over a lot of it. And Dirk Nowitzki was the one that he inherited on his team that when, when he purchased it. So I thought that was all very interesting. It's just a, a moment of inflection point for him. Let's talk about the GM search that's going to happen first. Signs are now pointing to Finley being the president of basketball operations and someone being hired underneath him. What I heard initially after the Donnie was fired by the team, I I was under the impression it would be flipped, that Finley would get his promotion to general manager and that there would be a president of basketball operations over him. It does seem like it's it's turning the other way from, you know, Mark Stein is the most plugged in person in the Mavericks. I'll happily admit that. 
And and it does seem like that's that's both what he's indicating and just generally where the search is is going. Any big picture thoughts on what that would represent to this front office at large? I mean, it, it really all comes down to what Cuban's role is going to be moving forward. And I think he has a comfort in level. Charge. Yeah, still in, still in, in charge. charge. <laughs> exactly. So so that's the thing is like, you know, uh, to go back to your to your question about the Cowboys, uh, that kind of thing. Like, why is the person that is the right hand? Who's the person that's right hand man to the owner GM? It's his son, someone who Jerry can have power over control over. And I think Cuban um, in this situation is going to be in a similar situation where he knows that, yeah, Michael Finley has has you know he's he's definitely done his work he's very he's very valuable to the front office operations but cuban knows at the end of the day that cuban can override him and there's not really too much that uh that 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 uh you know finley can say that's why for years when you even talked about the head coach of the dallas cowboys it was always jason garrett right someone who was played there was groomed there and then someone who can always jerry can always kind of you know, override whenever he wanted. So in the same situation, I think that's kind of what Finley's going to be, where Finley will will get his due. But I mean, look, if Donnie, if Cuban had some, had riding over power over Donnie, like he'll definitely have it over Finley. And I think Cuban knows that. It would have been insulting if they didn't give Finley some sort of promotion out of this whole saga after promoting him as long as they have as the next leader of the front office or general manager or what 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 say you. I think that's certainly a good thing that that he will either be GM or president of basketball operations, whichever way you look at it. I, I do think that you know, and he's certainly his own person, and he has a lot of sway in the within the Mavericks front office. And you know, as a former player, as someone you know who is a different voice, uh, you know, they haven't had former players in the front office for the most part. I think that's that's a positive development in, in a lot of ways. I expect the other person will have some sort of agent background. I wouldn't say it's certain, but I think that, you know, just reading the way the NBA operates and the way it's developed, that a lot of a lot of front office heads over the past recent hires for different teams have been agents or former agents or people with agent backgrounds. I, I think that is a valuable skill set to have in a front office. And it's something that Cuban has to a degree. He certainly has relationships with various agents throughout the sport. But, you know, hiring someone in either of the, you know, two roles we've talked about, I, I think makes sense for for this front office to just kind of push towards the modern way of the NBA, where it is a player empowerment era. And there is a lot of movement and, and there is a lot of understanding that relationships you have with with players goes a long way. And, and you know, agents are very equipped to build relationships with star players that's why they're agents. You know, that's kind of the whole thing that, you know, you have to get someone to trust you over time to represent you. And and it, it takes a certain skill set. And I think that's why we've seen this development of, of agent front office hires. And, and and I would imagine that's probably the direction it goes in. But it, it's it's impossible to say for sure. I, I know for a fact that they're considering among people that have, you know, names that have been sent to you know, the sportsology firm that that they're being represented, things like that. You know, there, there's no question that, you know, some names that that Cuban is considering are are not uh, don't have that background, that that they're more, you know, either former players or just people who have been in front office and kind of work their ways ways up. So I'm, I'm just trying to read the tea leaves of, of where everything has has gone just in the NBA at large over the past years. But I, I expect it all to to happen fairly shortly, you know, whether it's a 
a week or two, you know, I, I think that this GM thing will and and just the the overall structure of the front office will be worked out probably within the next two weeks, if not sooner. Yeah, and it needs to because as Cuban right. has said, that that's the first thing that has to happen before hiring a coach. So right, yeah, exactly, exactly. As for the head coaching uh, position, Rick Carlisle went to Indiana earlier today. We're recording on a Thursday afternoon. I thought that was interesting, especially a statement that he released, which I first read as more of a smart-ass comment about the way that Jason Kidd and Luka Doncic were both difficult point guards he had clashes <laughs> with. And he was like, look at Jason Kidd. And, you know, that would be a perfect fit for Luka. I think you could also read it sincerely, and he may have meant it that way. But I think if you do, you have to read it as a bit of a slight towards Jamal Mosley, who wasn't even mentioned once. This is someone who worked seven years under him as a head coach, is a known and reported candidate for this job. And if it was a sincere comment from Rick Carlisle promoting Jason Kidd as the next head coach of the Dallas Mavericks, then, you know, either way, he I think he's he's throwing something, shade, digs, whatever, at someone in this statement. I think it's hard to read it. And in, you know, whatever way you're reading it, it's hard not to see it as him being a bit of a smart ass about the whole thing. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And and what what kind of sucks more about that is you know after covering the team closely for however many years I did and you are as well we we both know the assistant coach that Luca has the best relationship with is Jamal Mosley like that is the guy who Luca has been who since he's been with the Mavericks Jamal Mosley is the guy that he works individually with and all that kind of stuff so if you're looking for that component of things Jamal Mosley should at least warrant a name drop from from Rick Carlisle who not only had him on his staff, but also is very well aware with the relationship that Luca has had with Mosley. So um, that was that was a bit surprising, and I to- and I do agree that I think you know there's been a lot that's been said about how Carlisle and Luca's relationship has been, but um, it also goes back to what Carlisle and Kid's relationship was, and they got that figured out to to win a championship ring or at least sustainable. Um, and you know I think that's something to be considered in, in everything that he said as well. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, to take a half step back, just in case nobody saw this, Carlisle recommended quite forcefully, especially for someone who's the the president of the head coaching association, I was rather surprised to see it, but pretty forcefully recommended Jason Kidd as the next head coach and just said, you know, in my opinion, I think it's a marriage that would make sense. 
I don't think that the Mavericks have to hire Luka Doncic, you know, favored candidate. I don't think that's necessary. I, I think that Mosley makes a lot of sense. And if I was in charge of the hiring process, you'd probably be the person that I went with. But I, I don't think that it's a crucial situation where they, you know, their relationship with Luca is at a point where they have to hire, you know, the one assistant that he likes. Luca's 22. You know, he doesn't know exactly what he wants necessarily. I think if you had a very good candidacy and a very convincing case for an outside hire that you're convinced would both mesh well with Luca, but also give you a better chance at winning than someone like Jamal Mosley provides. I think that's a perfectly reasonable hire. I don't think Jason Kidd is that. It doesn't really make, you know, like he hasn't been someone who has garnered a lot of trust or success or accolades in his previous head coaching jobs. He is someone who orchestrated a power grab to get out of Brooklyn or was it still New Jersey at the time? It, it was, I think it was Brooklyn. I think he was mm. the early stages of the Brooklyn rebrand. Um, I could be wrong about that. Uh, but then, you know, went over to Milwaukee. I, I remember that being sloppy and messy. I just think there's a lot of, you know, even even if kids' departure from Dallas, which was also sloppy and messy, even if that has been paved over, and even if he has fans and Mark Cuban and, and Dirk Nowitzki and the Dallas uh, searching committee, head coach search committee, if you will, um, since I think that's about all Dirk's going to actually be in the in the next year. It doesn't feel like he actually really wants a day-to-day full-time working job, but but he's happy to help out in this crucial situation. But even if he has fans in in this this search committee, I, I just don't see it. I, I don't see it personally. I don't, I don't see his resume being strong enough, and I don't see the idea that you would hire a, another coach who didn't exactly get along with his players and also doesn't have the strategic or results background that would really encourage you to say whatever, you know, like that was kind of the Carlisle story that, you know, he would make people mad and he would annoy people, but he would maintain his relationships well enough that it wasn't really a huge issue. You know, like it wasn't even like Luca this summer was saying, I want Rick out. He was okay with him returning. It was just Rick wanted to take his own future into his hands. But Rick has the results and the strategic and the X's and O's background to to make up for it. And I just don't see that with Jason Kidd. I mean, he might be the savant point guard and and can make passes out of nowhere, you know, throughout his playing career. But I just don't see the results being there. And that that is that is concerning to me that that he is seriously an option over someone like Mosley, just given the fact that I just don't think it's, you know, there there are some coaches and I'm I'm now I'm just rambling, but there's some coaches that if you had hired them over Mosley, I could nod my head and say, okay, I understand. And that's not one. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I also think that uh, another element of this is going to be that, you know, uh, how how the coaching staff is then formed. Because if you bring Kid on, uh, that that's kind of an awkward dynamic if Mosley is still an assistant there. But if you uh, if, if you upgrade Mosley, that's, you know, that's his head coaching job. I think it's somewhat kind of like what happened in Brooklyn where Steve Nash uh, was the head coach and then you had Mike D'Antoni there. And, uh, and I think that was really important for that entire operation and how that went. So I think all like kind of not just the head coach, but kind of how it all falls in order is going to be interesting to interesting to monitor. You have names out there like Terry Stotts, though. I would, I would bet good money that Rick, uh, recruits him over to uh, Indiana, but, um, but you have guys like that who would, who would, you know, probably be a good option. Like if you, if you do give the job to Mosley, Terry Stotts would be a great assistant. Um, or something like that. So I think it's not even just about 
the head coaching job. I think it, it falls down the balance with the uh, assistants as well. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point. I agree with you on Stotts. Obviously, you would throw a lot of money at him as the associate head coach who mm-hmm. has a, you know, you, you expect him to spend one year here before he actually goes and takes a coaching job he likes better. Now, there's so many appealing head coaching jobs that I'm just not sure that's feasible this summer. But I agree that bringing in a really strategically sound veteran experienced head coach if you do make Mosley the head coach then you bring in someone under him who has a really good grasp of of strategy and stuff like that and then you just say Mosley we trust you with the relationships uh and, and we trust you you know we're, we're putting the structure around you that you're set up to succeed for the first year and I think that would be an important element of of you know hiring someone like Mosley as as the lead coach but I don't know I don't know um you know, if if you ask me today, I still think it's more likely than anybody else that Mosley ends up being head coach. But the Jason Kidd stuff is is definitely real. He's being considered. I, I think he's being considered more than any other candidate right now. I, I don't think that it's a two person head coaching race at this point. And to be frank, I think Cuban has a pretty good idea about what he's going to do already. But he just wants to make this GM hire first, and that is the right order of operations. But you know, I, I guess we'll see. You know, it's 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 still up in the air. Uh, these decisions will be coming down probably sooner than later. I would be shocked if we made it to even July fifteenth without both positions being in place. And until then, it's just a just a matter of uh, seeing exactly which way this goes and and whether Carlisle has any more interesting comments to make about. <laughs> The direction Dallas should go, uh, which I, I think I think he kind of think he kind of emptied the clip there, and so I, I think I think we're all good in that capacity. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think it's going to be important to get a jump on all that stuff as well with the draft, free agency, and and like you know just implementing a new system and and creating those relationships. It's all good, and you know especially with Luca being overseas and all that stuff. Like you just want to get onto that pretty quick, and so um, it, it's just wild to think where the Mavericks were two weeks ago um, and and even a little bit further back from you know sending the Clippers home uh, to now just being without a GM and coach it's it's just maddening to think about it is wild thank you Saad for coming on we're gonna wrap up here Uh, like I said I'm not sure listeners when the next episode will be some will depend on news and vacation and scheduling and all that, but I would expect that at minimum we'll be back uh, towards the end of July, headed into free agency, maybe wrapping up any draft activity, even though the Mavericks will probably be pretty quiet in that respect. Uh, we'll do all that, and we'll talk then. See ya. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. It's a wrap. <laughs> Woo!